morning. Such beautiful worship. Let's give our worship team a hand this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give our worship team a hand this morning. I'm sorry, Chaplain Gregory. I have one announcement. Oh, Is that go. okay? Yes. Uh, will all the children, we have children's worship downstairs. And if you can meet at the back doors by where Pastor Matt is, your teacher will take you down there. Thank you very much. Super. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here today. We bring you greetings from sunny Southern California. Uh, weather quite like this. But man, I tell you what, this is a beautiful place. We've got our Tennessee team here. Why don't you guys say hello to the Tennessee team? Also, I just wanted to uh, just thank Pastor Matt and uh, Pastor Cheryl for having us. Uh, Pastor Matt and I are in that fraternal, eternal fraternal bond called the Brothers Unite, Ballhead Brothers Unite. <laughs> and uh, he found me on a website. He was looking, and he says, oh, chocolate ball. There he is right there. <laughs> and so uh, what he did not tell you was uh, I'm the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I know a few of you are, are Rams fans and probably other teams, and that's okay. We, 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 we root for all the teams, but we only pray for the Chargers, okay? <laughs> so if you're a real Bible-believing uh, person, you pray for the Chargers, because we will win a Super Bowl. I've got a few pictures that I wanted to share. I wanted to, the, the, that's my family. Uh, obviously, my wife and my daughter are here. Why don't you guys turn, uh, stand up and turn around and just say hello real quick. Uh, we, we moved to sunny Southern California about two years ago. That's my son on the, on the far right. He's in uh, San Jose, California. We can go through another picture. Um, as being the chaplain of the charges, I just wanted to show you some of the work that we do. Uh, a, a chaplain is a pastor. Uh, so my dad asked me a few, uh, a few years ago when I first transitioned. Uh, I was a church planner in New York and overseeing six churches. And he says, how, do, how does it feel not to have a a church anymore. I said, are you kidding me? I got my, my church is the NFL football team. So that's Coach Anthony Lynn, the, the new head coach. As of two years ago, I pastored him in New York City. And when he moved to New York City, I had the, uh, was extended the invitation to come and move with him. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, that's Pastor uh, Rick Warren, uh, who's my pastor in sunny Southern California. He comes to our, our chapel service. I don't know how that picture got in there. It must have been an old one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, this is, uh, so being a chaplain, guess what? Not, we don't only preach the gospel, the gospel makes impact with these players. And so that's one of our former players, Trey Boston and his wife, and both of them got baptized in front of their peers. We're at a professional athletes conference, about 400 NFL athletes and their, their spouses and chaplains. And uh, on the last night of the, of the conference, we, we go to the biggest pool that they have, and we baptize about 70 to 75 players and their spouses or significant others, and this is one of our players. In fact, he, he called me up, and he says, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I said, hey, I'm watching a basketball game, because I, I snuck out of, you know, I'm a sinner, sorry, forgive me. I snuck out of the main session to go watch Duke Carolina basketball game, so he calls me up, and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching a game. He says, would you baptize me? I said, did you not hear me? I said, I'm watching a game. <laughs> So I yielded and I, and I went to baptize them. And so that's what we do. We, we not only preach the gospel, we, we, we hold chapel services every week. It's only 53-man roster. We see 40 to 45 men 
and chapel services every week. We also do Bible studies and things of that nature. But this is the joy when we can dunk people in the name of Jesus. How about that? Let's go to the next slide. Uh, this is uh, what you don't see in the media is after every game, uh, we get to pray with both the teams right on the 50-yard line. And we get to bow our knee. And this knee is not some generic, in God we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. And so uh, when you watch football, sometimes you don't see this, but God through Christ is working in the NFL. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, this is us in the locker room praying, too. We not only pray on the field, but we pray after we get in the locker room. We, <laughs> uh, we, we have a very spiritual team, and uh, we want you to pray for the Chargers. Remember, you can root for the Rams, but pray for the Chargers. <laughs> All right, let's get into our text. Uh, this morning, I wanted to read a few verses, uh, and then I'll tell you what, our, what we're going to talk about. It says, now on his way, this is Luke 17, verses 11 and thir- through 13. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. This is what they said. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And how many of you ever prayed a prayer like that? Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Just by a show of hands. Can you raise your hands? Okay, I can barely see you because all the lights. All right. So, so here, these ten lepers, they begin to cry out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. And when I was young, I used to see my granddaddy, he was a poster worker. And I would see him come home from work, and one of the first things that he did after he greeted the family was, he would head to the back room, and one day, inquisitive little George, or little G, that's what they call me, I'm not so little anymore. But they said, uh, I watched him go in the room, and I said, granddaddy, where, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to get Jesus. And I said, what does that mean? And many years after I became an adult, I found out what that meant for him was he was going to pray. He was going to have worship. He was going to seek God's face. Now, he was from the old school. He just called it getting to Jesus. He he thought, man, I've got to get to Jesus. And we know that it's not just about us posturing ourselves to get to Jesus, but it's also us opening our hearts up. It's not just that we find him, but we have to allow ourselves to be found. And so today, when we look at these 10 lepers, we're going to talk about how they were in isolation. And yet their, their cry, their merciful cry was, we have to get to Jesus. And so that's what we call this uh, message today is getting to Jesus. Everybody say, getting to Jesus. So Father, help us to get to Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now in our scripture, there, there's always, or in scripture, there's always something to overcome. In fact, you probably don't do this on a regular basis, but what are some things in your life? I want you to talk to me. Just call it out real quick. What are some of the things that you've had to go through or overcome in your life? Health issues. Work, work, yeah, work. Moving. Okay. Finances. Kids. Those daggone kids, right? (laughs) What else? I couldn't hear that. Divorce, right? We all have things to overcome. In fact, scriptures is replete with things that we have to overcome. There's, there's sin, there's battles, there's oppositions, there's trials, there's desires, there's needs, there's problems, dilemmas, there's oppression and depression. And yet, through all throughout scriptures, the Bible tells us what to do when we have things to overcome. Not unlike us, we have things that we have to overcome just like in the Bible. And, and in the New Testament, one of my most favorite scriptures is what Jesus says in John 6, He says, in this world you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good joy, 
for I have overcome the world. Isn't that great to know that even though we have things that we have to overcome, Christ as our brother is, is in our dilemmas with us saying, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. He said, watch me, watch my example. Let me cheer you on so that you can not fear when you have to go through some things. Now, in order for you to be an overcome, an overcomer, you must have something that you must overcome, right? In order for you to have a testimony, you've got to have a test. In order for you to be a champion, right, you've got to go through certain uh, battles. In order for you to become a victor, you've got to go through something and say, I've conquered that. And as I look in this room today, I can tell by your eyes that we've all not only had to go through some things, but I can tell that there have been a few things in your life that you've not only just went through those things, but you've had to conquer those things. You've had to say, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to let this thing bother me, or in Jesus' name, I'm not going to let it hinder me in my life. And that's okay when you say those things. Now, society on the outside says, don't use that name, but for us, we know the power it's not us that gets ourselves through our trials and tribulations, but we get through those things in the mighty name of Jesus. And there's, there's things that we go through when we have to overcome, through, uh, when we have to overcome certain things, that it, overcoming certain things might look like a blemish or it might look like that there's something wrong. In fact, how many of you uh, uh, have Instagram? You have an Instagram page. Anybody? You guys know what Instagram is? I know you guys know. Instagram is when you take a picture and you post it online so all of your family and friends can can see it but you never ever here's the one rule you never post an imperfect picture right you have to post the perfect picture I mean you gotta you, you know you gotta <laughs> right now I'm not gonna tell you which one of my children but one of my children she will take about 100 shots of the same, I guess I told you, I said she, right? My daughter Cameron will take about 100 pictures of this one shot so she can get the perfect picture to post on Instagram. That's not how trials are, though. Sometimes we have to realize that our life is not an Instagram faith, right? We can't always post certain things or certain things don't come our way. That's just to say it's bright, it's perfect, it's, it's the right filter, it's the right sunset, it's the right whatever. There's moments in our life where life is not fun and it's not fair. There's some things that we go through. It's not like, it's not like we have sunshiny days every single day. And yet there's some things that when we go through, we have to understand that we shouldn't have this Instagram faith. And so one of the problems that we often challenge is how do we get to Jesus? How do we get through our problems? How do we overcome society? How do we overcome certain things to get to Jesus? Now, as disciples or as learners of, of God's word, as doers of his, of his will, we know on the other side that there's reconciliation, redemption, there's salvation, there's all of these things. But, but some, some people in the Bible... And also some of your coworkers, some of your family members, they don't know how to access this Jesus. They don't know how to quite get to him when they have certain things to overcome. And so in the Bible, there were plenty of people who couldn't uh, get to Jesus. They had to do certain things in order to get beyond circumstances. There was a, a little short man in the Bible called Zacchaeus. He had to climb in a tree. You see, if you have to climb in a tree to get to Jesus, I mean, that might look a little silly, right? What if your neighbor saw you climbing a tree just to get to Jesus? There was also these four men that took this, uh, this man. He was laying on a mat, 
and the house that Jesus was preaching in was so crowded. It was so, so uh, full of people that they couldn't get this man who needed Jesus to heal him. They couldn't get him in the, in the door. They couldn't get him in the windows. And so they said, we've got to get this man to Jesus so much that they climbed on top of the roof. And they made a way, they made a hole through the roof so they could get this man to Jesus. They had a tenacity, a desperation, and a desire to whatever means necessary, we've got to get to Jesus, whether we talk to Jesus or whether we pray to Jesus or whether we touch his him or whatever we do. He says the main concern of this text is we've got to get to Jesus. Now, we all have problems. In fact, whisper into your neighbor's ear what your problem is. No, don't do that. Don't do that. The problem in this text is leprosy. It was a skin disease. In fact, in Leviticus 13.45 says this about leprosy. It says anyone with such a defiling disease, talking about leprosy, says, listen to these things. It says, must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt or uncovered. They must cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have this disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone, and they must live outside of the camp. How many of you know leprosy was no fun thing? That If you had leprosy, it was nothing fun. It was nothing like it wasn't these filters. You couldn't filter leprosy. It was just bad. It was something you had to deal with. In fact, I've watched my father for the last five years battle with ALS. It's a sickening disease. It's a terrible disease. But every day of my dad's life, he doesn't look at his terminal illness, what he does is he looks to Jesus. You can find my dad every single day. The first thing he says is, give me my phone. He can barely hold his phone, but he wants his phone in his hand so he can go to his version Bible <laughs> right there. And he reads his Bible. He prays for about an hour every day. Why? It's because he said, I'm not going to let anything hinder me from getting to Jesus. I'm going to find him wherever I can. This leprosy that says that they must war that you had to tear your clothes. Now, a lot of days, now we can go to the store and we buy, we buy torn clothes, right? <laughs> ripped jeans so we can look cool. But this wasn't something where we looked cool. I mean, when you ripped your clothes, it means that you were uh, sort of so sick or deranged that you wanted people to stay away from you. They had to cry out, unclean, unclean. They were untouchable. They couldn't come into camp with everyone else. They had to stay outside the camp. But imagine us. We don't have physical leprosy in here this morning. I don't assume, but maybe some of us, we feel like, well, man, some things that I've done in my past, I should be calling out unclean. Or maybe you've said some things, or maybe you've had some bad days where you've done some things that you didn't want to necessarily do, but yet you did them anyway. You and me probably have those moments where we can cry out unclean, or maybe it's something where we have felt isolated, where we have not felt a part of the in crowd, or we felt like there was people pushing us away, or maybe you just felt like I'm not good enough to be on the in crowd. You see, we might not have leprosy, but we understand through some form of our imagination what they must have been going through. Here's four critical takeaways that we can, uh, that we understand from reading this text when we face life issues. Number one is we've got to have a voice to overcome. Everybody say a voice to overcome. You see, some of us, that might be the only thing that we have is a voice. We might not have the necessary financial ability. We might not know the mayor or we might not know the politics in order to get things done. But there's something about when that God gives us a voice that we can begin to use our voice. Here's what the scripture says about using their voices. He says in verse 12, he says, as they as he was going into the village, this is Jesus, it says, 10 men had leprosy, they met him. 
It said, and they stood at a distance. Although they met him, they stood at a distance. Now imagine Pastor Matt preaching his heart out every Sunday, this Jesus, and we're coming to church, and we know who Jesus is, but we keep our distance. <laughs> right? Pastor Matt is saying, no, 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 we got to get closer to Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm fine right here, Pastor Matt. I'm sitting on the back row. I'm not going to come to church hardly. Any. I, just, I know what you're preaching, but I'm just going to keep my distance. These people, they, they, they got close enough, but yet they still kept their distance. And this is what they cried out in a loud voice because they had leprosy. They cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, the reason why they stood their distance is because of, of what we already read in, in um, Leviticus is because if you had leprosy, you were supposed to stay a certain distance away from people so you wouldn't affect people. You wouldn't uh, impact them. You wouldn't get them sick. And so they had to keep their distance. Now, the world creates gaps. We create gaps. Sin in our lives create gaps. Sometimes pride in our life create gaps. Sometimes we don't even want to deal with people, and that creates sort of this distance or this, 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 this understanding that I don't want to get too close for fear that something might happen to me. But in order to get to Jesus, my grandmother had this saying. She would say, she would say this. She says, but where there's a will, there's a way. If you ever need to get to Jesus, you might not know exactly that Bible verse. How many of you can quote all the Bible verses in the whole Bible from Genesis to the book of Maps? Anybody? No Bible scholars. And yet there's a few ways that we can get to Jesus whenever we need to get to Jesus. Wherever there's a will, there's a way. It says they stood their distance, but they cried in a loud voice. This loud voice was, was showing intentionality. They had to show Jesus that I'm so, I really want to be healed so much that they raised their voice. Now, maybe for you and your culture, you don't raise your voice. I come from the black church, Pastor Matt, and that's, we, we raise our voices loud in church. Anybody ever gone to a black church? Don't die until you go to a black church. <laughs> I mean, they're yelling, yeah, they're clapping, they're running around. Why? It's because we're excited about Jesus. How many are excited about Jesus? Right? Now, for some of you, you will never clap in church like that. For others of you, you don't mind letting it, letting it rip. But these people, they were so desperate that they said, we don't care what anyone thinks. And they just cried in a loud voice. Why? It's because they knew maybe this is the only time we'll have to get Jesus' attention. So they said, Lord, Master, have mercy, have pity on us. They had intentionality. There's so many times we think we're just going to haphazardly bump into Jesus at the neighborhood grocery store or the Starbucks. There's something about us that we've sometimes got this casual, kind of comfortable relationship with Jesus, and if we find him, we're okay. If we don't find him, you know what? We can still go on. They were so desperate that they cried in a loud voice. Is what you're going in your relationships deep enough? to keep you continually crying out to Jesus? Has what you've gone through in your life given you the ability to get on your knees enough, to just humble yourself enough to cry out in a loud voice at times? I was joking with my wife and my daughter before, before we came out. Uh, we were in Boston, and uh, we were traveling. She was a 16-year-old girl who were, was going to the mall with us, and she had on flip-flops. And... and uh, when we were getting back in the car, I didn't know that she was half in and half out of the, of the door. And I started backing up. Now, poor me, right? Arrest me. No, don't do that. Uh, but I started to back up. And instead of her yelling in a loud voice, showing intentionality, she says this. 
Meow. Now, now, wait a minute. Now, she had on flip-flops, and I was about to run over her foot. And instead of her saying, yo, she says, meow. Now, maybe you, if you were in this containment area or you were, couldn't go beyond this line in, in order to get to Jesus, how would you reach Jesus? Maybe you'd be like, hey, psst, psst. Or would you just don't care because you know you can't go home the same way you left home? They said today is the day that we've got to reach this Jesus. There's some times in your life where something has to break. My dad was a pastor. My, my brother's a pastor. My sister's a pastor. I'm, I, it's a family business, Pastor Matt. But at a point one day I had to grow up for myself. And I couldn't say, oh, my dad knows who Jesus is, or my brother knows who Jesus is, or my sister knows who Jesus is. There had to be a day where I cried out to God and say, save me for myself. These people, they were so desperate that they cried out loud there. It showed intentionality and boldness. You see, it doesn't matter about the volume. It doesn't matter how loud you cry. It matters who you cry to. But sometimes we love to cry to other people. And not Jesus. You got any girlfriends that you just pick up that phone or Snapchat them to death and you start, I can't believe I'm going through this. See, Jesus wants to hear all those things. And they cried out in that loud voice, Master, have mercy upon us. What's your voice that you're crying out to Jesus in? Maybe it's your prayer voice. Maybe it's in your worship voice. Maybe it's in your meditation voice. Maybe it's just in a cry of desperation. In fact, I meet many of my players that, who, who join our team. They say to me, they say, Pastor, we've never said a prayer before. I don't know how to pray. And I say, yeah, that's, that's silly. You don't know how to pray. And they say, no, we don't know how to pray. And I say, try this prayer. Jesus, have mercy on me. Can you say that with me? Say, Jesus. Now, come on, they cried in a loud voice. Come on, it's okay. Pastor Matt, can we say it in a loud voice? Come on, let's just say it as loud as we can. Jesus, Jesus. Master, Master, have mercy on me. If you don't know any prayer, if you can't remember the Lord's Prayer because you just forget it all the time, don't worry about the Lord's Prayer. Just say, Jesus, have mercy upon me. That means I need a second chance. I need a do-over in life. That means I need some help in life. I call it helpabrother.com. Number two is we must go in faith. Not only do we need a voice uh, to lift our voice, but we have to, number two is we have to have a faith to go. Verse 14, it says, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, why did they have to go show themselves to the priests? Because in the Old Testament, it outlined that if you had a, a disease like leprosy, and you had to stay outside of the camp, the only way you could come back in the camp where people would know you're free from the disease, I mean, you couldn't just wake up and say, oh, I feel better, now I'm going back with everyone else. No, you had to go to the priest. You had to show yourself to the priest. The priest was kind of like the medical examiner just to see, are you good, are you okay? And then, and then they would let you back into the camp with everyone else. And so here Jesus was. Jesus tells them in verse 14 again, he says, and when he saw them, he hadn't pronounced healing on them. He hadn't done any of these other miracles like spitting in his hands and rubbing it all over their bodies. He didn't have to cl claim anything in his own name. He just says, he says this, he says, 
And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Go show yourselves to the priests. Now imagine that. You've got this disease. You're in this contained area. You've got to cover your, you've got to rip your clothes. You've got to cover parts of your body. You've got to cry out, unclean, unclean. You can't go near anyone. And what you're supposed to do, first of all, is get your healing first. You had to get your healing before you went to Jesus. But Jesus just broke upon all those traditional things. And he never said you had to do any of those things. He says, I want you now to go show yourselves to the priest. Now imagine that. Don't you think some of you would have been tripped up? I would, I would have been tripped up. I would have probably raised my hand and said, hey, sir, don't you know that we can't go to the priest? We're not healed because you haven't pronounced any healing. I mean, my symptoms have not changed. Jesus sometimes doesn't have to wait till your symptoms change to say you are healed or to say you are whole or to say, let the, there's a part of the Bible that says, let the weak say that I am strong. Let the poor say that I am rich. You guys know what I'm talking about this morning? There are certain things that we sometimes wait for, for it to change before we profess our healing. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't have to wait to go show yourselves. Go show yourselves to the priest. He says, go. Just that one word, go. If that were me, I probably would have said, I can't go just yet. I don't have my full healing or there's other things that I know you need to do. And, and yet those simple words, he says, go. And as they went, they were cleansed. Everybody say, as they went. As they went. Everybody say, as they went, as they, went. They, were cleansed. they were cleansed. They were not cleansed before they went. Jesus didn't proclaim healing over them. This was one of those untraditional miracles that just didn't make sense. Has God ever blown your mind? They had that scripture that says that he's going he's gonna to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. There's sometimes Jesus will do ridiculous stuff in your life, not because he can, but because who he is. If that had been me, Pastor Matt, I think I would have said, wait a minute, Jesus, do you, do you realize you're going out of order here and yet... They had this simple word. The only word that they had was that word, go, go. And the Bible says that as they went, there's something that's happening on their way. Now, as they went, maybe that was just a turn. Maybe they were, had to just unlatch the gate. If they were in a containment area, maybe they had to cross the line. But whatever they did was just a little small thing compared to what they were dealing with. It's just a shift. It's a, as they went. Maybe it was just a turn, but the Bible says that as they went, as they shifted, as they responded to God's word, it says that they were healed. How many of you know that's a blessing that I would like? Where you don't have to have every scripture memorized to get to Jesus. You don't have to be fully healed. I mean, I mean, plenty of my friends would say, I would say, hey, come to church with me. And they would say, you know what, I can't because Jesus, I mean, he, they would say, I can't because I'm not perfect. And I say, man, if you wait until you get perfect to find Jesus, you wouldn't need him. Or people say, look, I'll go to church later on in life. And I say, you might not get to later on in life. What they responded was just that word. He says, go. And then as they went, it says that they were cleansed. All they had was just one word. It reminds me of what the scripture says, that we walk by faith and not by sight. But there's sometimes we walk by more sight than we walk by faith. Remember this preacher saying one time, he says, don't just believe what you see. 
with your eyes, but see what you believe with your inner heart. Don't just believe what you see with your eyes. He says, believe what you see on the inside. Before we went to New York City, uh, we were so religious. <laughs> we were so religious that we prayed a prayer like this. This is before we were living in North Carolina. Before we moved to New York City, we prayed a religious prayer like this. Lord, we'll do anything for you. We'll go anywhere for you besides New York City. True story. Four months later, guess where we were living? In New York City. <laughs> and in order for us to get to New York City, because how many of you know New York City is a very expensive place to live? And we didn't have hardly any money. <laughs> and all of a sudden, when God gave us the word and we began to move out in faith, money started coming in. There's something about when we go just according to that word. So we have to go in faith. Number three is we have to have a heart to say thank you. Everybody say thank you. Thank you. Isn't that simple? Thank you. We've got to have a heart to say thank you. Luke 17, 15 and 16 says, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Now, how many lepers were there? There were 10 lepers, but the Bible says, and one of them, when he saw, uh, saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice again. Because there's some things that you just can't do with the kind of pss, pss or the meow. <laughs> one of them came back praising God in a loud voice. And what did he do? He couldn't contain himself so much because sometimes we can't contain ourselves when Jesus does something for us. He says that he threw himself at his feet and he thanked him and he was a Samaritan. Now that's key. He was a Samaritan because a Samaritan wasn't supposed to have hardly any dealing with the Jewish people. So he's not only a leper coming out of his comfort zone because he was now healed, having to stand outside of the camp, crying out unclean, having his, his clothes ripped. Now he's a Samaritan in front of Jesus, now trying to touch his feet, which he did not do. So he's breaking all of the boundaries, all of the rules, only to say thank you. And it says only one of them who threw himself because he was so desperate to because he knew that his, what his life was before Christ had, had said, go and show yourselves to the priest. He knew what it was. And so this, this lets me know that sometimes it's the art of saying thanks starts when we realize that most likely we don't deserve what has been extended to us. Sometimes we just feel entitled. Like, Lord, you've got to wake me up this morning. <laughs> like, Lord, you've got to give me clothes on my back or you've got to give me food. You, you've got to do those things. How many, have you ever seen entitled people before? Kind of bratty people, right? You know who can be the most brattiest people? God's kids. You got kids. How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys grew up as a kid? <laughs> sometimes we realize that kids, we can be very bratty. And sometimes as children of God, we can become pretty bratty ourselves because we just think, Lord, you're supposed to do whatever I think you're supposed to do. I heard one pastor preach in this text. He says, the least we can say is thank you. My daddy would say that to me all throughout my youth. Hey, son, say thank you. When someone does something good for you, you say thank you. But let me ask you something. What do you do when someone does something great for you, like pronounces healing on you or he delivers you? or he gets you out of the muck and the miry clay. There's something about when we have a heart to say thank you. And lastly is the tenacity to rise. Now, now this is key right here. Verse 17, it says, And Jesus asked, 
were not all ten cleansed. Now, because Jesus, I, I told you there was ten lepers. Only one came, comes back. I told you that in, the, in, in just that last section. But now Jesus noticed. He said, wait a minute. You've thrown yourself down. You've come back. You've said this in a loud voice. And Jesus now is asking. He says, hey, where were not all ten cleansed? Didn't everybody get cleansed? Everybody got cleansed. He says, but what? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, except for the one that wasn't supposed to be there? Then he said to this foreigner who wasn't supposed to be there, who wasn't supposed to come close to him, he wasn't supposed to ever uh, leave the containment area without crying out unclean, who wasn't supposed to go show himself to the priest unless, unless he was already healed. You see, Jesus was doing some very unorthodox things. Here's a question for you. Where in your life have you placed yourself outside of God's reach where you say, he cannot reach me here? It's just the opposite of the mentality that we've got to get ourselves to Jesus. There's a story in the Bible about a, a woman at the well, and you probably remember this story, but the woman basically said to Jesus, she was a Samaritan again, talking to a Jew. She says to Jesus, she says, she says, you cannot draw water from this well. Remember, sometimes we draw lines to Jesus. We put him at a disadvantage of trying to reach us because we come up with all of these ideologies that say what Jesus cannot do. Here's what this woman said. She says, you can't give me this water that I, want, that I really want. The reason why, she says, because the well is too deep. Meaning our situations are too deep as if Jesus doesn't know what we're going through. And then number two, she says, and you have nothing to draw with. Now imagine that, telling Jesus, you don't have what it takes to reach me where I am. There's something about us. There was 10 lepers who got healed. Only one came back. Jesus noticed, and he says to him, where are the other nine except for this foreigner? Only one who's come back. And then he says these words, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let me tell you that one of the biggest challenges that I face in life is when you're down, just getting back up. Anybody with me this morning? It's sometimes when you've been knocked down so many times, the hardest thing that you can do in life is to get back up. I, as a kid, I remember there, there was this blow-up doll, and maybe you guys had one of these blow-up dolls, that you would blow the doll up and, and it was weighted down. You guys remember that? You guys are, okay, I'm in the right church. Okay, good. And uh, there was something about the weight. That was full, it was full of hot air, but there was something about the weight that kept it stable. And as a kid, I mean, man, my mission in life was to keep this thing down because it was, it was against how it was made to, to work. And so I would knock it and I would kick it and sometimes I would just elbow drop it. And every time you got off of this thing, guess what it would do? pop back up. Have you felt like one of those bouncing dolls in life? Maybe the devil's just been knocking you around your whole life. Maybe you felt pinned to the ground. Maybe you felt like, man, everybody's always against me, and yet when they just get up just a little bit, guess what you do? You pop back up. What am I trying to tell you? You were not made to stay down in life. You were made to arise. In fact, I'll say this. You are an Easter people. 
It's not just we wait till Easter to celebrate resurrection. You are an Easter people every single day of your life. Why? It's because they might try to keep you down, but Jesus wants you to get up. Here's what Jesus told him. He just simply, he didn't say, now you got to pay your tithes. Now you got to pay your dues. Now paying your tithes is very important. Coming to church and attendance is very important. But Jesus didn't say any of that. He says, oh, you, you've given me thanks. Where are the other nine? You know what? Now don't worry about it. Arise. Walk. Go and live your life. One of the toughest things for us to do sometimes is when we're down is to get back up. I want to encourage you. Maybe you don't have leprosy. Maybe you do have a, 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 a following on Facebook or Instagram or maybe you're popular. Maybe, maybe you do have to cry unclean because you know you haven't been the best person morally. Maybe there's been some things that you face. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's some things that you do on the internet. Maybe it's some things that, you, that we all know that we're not supposed to do. Maybe you're like that leper keeping your distance from Jesus today. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's that, just that simple thing of, no, I don't need any help. The question is this, is will you just simply arise? Jesus says, that I have come to give you life and for you to have it more abundantly. Now, I know sometimes it doesn't seem like that, but our reaction every day must be that we will arise. Would you stand to your feet just really quick? I just want to pray just a quick prayer over you.